Yeah, I know I'm on. Okay, so just stay right there. All right. Okay, so we're, I'm going to give away some uh, gift certificates to scooters here. Um, but we have some handouts. We're going to refer to them. There's information on here, though. We didn't want to go into all the detail, so we're going to provide it. So Rebecca, and if you can help Olivia help you out. Um, so married couples get a copy first, and then if anybody else wants it, maybe you've got marriage on the, in the horizon. It's just good to keep, okay? So uh, we'll refer back to those. So. All right, so I am going to give away a Scooter's gift card. It's for two because it's $10. You know, it's, it's five bucks, right, for each drink usually. All right, so the qualification, raise your hand if you kissed your spouse before church this morning. All right, Julie. I see. And Adam. All right. So Julie, Chris, and Adam. Huh? Give it to the men. All right. So I, I did I get everybody? All right. There you go, Adam. You're going to make your wife's day because I know she likes scooters. Chris, Julie, I owe you. Okay? Is that right? Okay? All right. Chris says I'll owe you. Uh, owe him. All right. Here we go. There you go. All right. Praise God. Amen. I kind of wanted to do something different this morning. I thought, you know. Um, I don't think you kissed me before church. Before I did. I did. Right in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, you yeah, were drying you did. Your hair. That's right. That's right. You did. Okay. All right. I did. We usually try it, not every, every day, but usually before she goes and heads off to school, usually I, I kiss her. And, and uh, so, yeah. Emphasis but, on the usually. Yeah, no, it usually is. But, you know, she always gives me a bad time because I always go like this and she kisses me on the cheek. Because there was a moment in time there. Because of the with hair. Hair, yeah. Just, it would get yeah. my glasses. So. <laughs> I'd have this haze over my glasses. So. Yeah. All right. Well, it looks like online here, the Bengals are the pick. But I only had one person respond, so... Um, all right. Nobody's going to watch today, so. All right. Um, why don't we just put, here, Rebecca, why don't we just put those at the welcome table? And <laughs> there we go. All right. Because we may refer to this. All right. Well, hey, uh, we've been in Matthew. We've been talking about right things. So we talked about right attitudes. We talked about right prayers. We talked about right giving. I don't know why that just kind of came into my mind. Today we're going to talk about a right marriage. And, there, you know, I don't know if there is ever a right marriage. Matthew doesn't have a lot to say about marriage. In fact, none of the Gospels do. Now, in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, I find it kind of interesting. Jesus talks about murder, divorce, and then adultery in that order. If you go in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6. Yeah. And so, you know, you'll, you'll talk to couples and say, you know what, I've never thought about divorce. Murder, maybe, but never divorce. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, we'll maybe talk a little bit about that. So, um, but you know what? A lot of uh, crimes, murders that take place, are crimes of a passion, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So, it is something to be to be mindful of. So, um, the gospels don't have a lot. But what we did is we just said, hey, is there some questions that you guys have about marriage? And so we did get a few of those in. I don't know if these all come from one person or some, several people. It was anonymous, so we, uh, that's all we know. So we're going to tackle a few of these, and um, I guess go into it. We're going to kind of go back and forth on it. So, um, so the first question, and I think Chris has some of the verses and some of the questions, but the notes part, you may want to use the handout to take notes on, or uh, there really isn't any place to take notes on those. So... Um, um, maybe take notes, though, any way you can. So, All right, so the first question is, could you explain the process of how a husband or wife lead in his or her marriage, role in marriage according to God's Word? Please give practical examples of what it looks like daily for a husband and a wife. Okay, I think that's an excellent question, okay? And so I want to read a couple passages, and then we're going to dialogue a little bit. So in Genesis chapter 2, you have 
the situation of Adam and Eve. Adam is kind of taking care of all the animals, but he is he's kind of bored because there's no he doesn't have any fellowship. He has no companion. And so God says, I'm gonna I'm gonna create a suitable helper, is what the NIV says. It really means a a partner, okay? Somebody to share life with. Okay? So that is found in verse 20. It says, But for Adam no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took the man's ribs, one of his ribs, and closed up that place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken from the woman, and uh, out of man, taken from the man, I guess, okay? And he brought her to the man and says, Hey, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother, and the two are united in marriage, and they become one flesh. And so this is symbolized through the sexual relationship okay, uh, that happens. All right, so it's kind of interesting. The only thing I want to point out here is that the part that Adam takes, that God takes out of Adam is what? Rib. All right, and how many have seen that plaque or whatever it says, you know, he, God didn't choose this part or this part, but he chose the rib. And I think it really symbolizes that they were to be partners, they were to be equal, they were to work alongside each other, okay? I think there was uh, some wisdom there. Now I want us to go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Anything you want to add to that? No, okay. All right. Ephesians 5. And so... Uh, Paul talks a little bit about this. It's instructions for Christian households. And, and for some people, this may even be kind of a, mm, a verse, a scripture that they don't like, especially women, okay? And you'll find out why. Because it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, for which he was the Savior now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands and everything. And then verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So there is a lot there, right? The thing that I want to point out here is the role of leadership of the household God gave to who? The husband, okay? Now, it doesn't mean that one is better than the other or equal. They're equal before God. All right? We're supposed to submit to one another, right? Okay? But how do we always do that in an earthly relationship? And how do we, with different personalities and stuff? So, um, in our book, so our men's small group book, there's still two left back there. Even if you're not in the small group, uh, but you're married, I think it would be an excellent book to pick up. It's 20 bucks. Um, you can find me, but there's two books back there. But I love what Tony Evans says just about the biblical view of leadership. It's not to dominate and it's not to dictate, okay? But it is rather to be responsible with the authority that God has given to us. For a man, it means positioning himself and operating to the comprehensive rule of God over every area of his life. Oh, it means that I have to be the man that God has called me to be and to be that example to the rest of my family, to my wife and to my kids. All right? Now, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, okay, they were both there, right? And the serpent comes into the garden, you know, there he is. Maybe that's why I've been having dreams about snakes. All right, he comes into the garden and he talks to who? Eve. Talks to Eve and says, you know, hey, you know, God didn't really say you can't eat the fruit of the garden, you know. And so they have this dialogue and she takes a bite and then she gives it to Adam, right? And he takes a bite. Now, who was responsible for the garden? Adam. But Adam didn't say anything. He didn't step in. He didn't do anything. Okay? If you're a rancher and you have a shovel handy, what's going to happen to that snake? It's going to lose its head, right? Yeah. As men, that is, that's your responsibility. And Adam kind of says, well, it was the woman you place, you, you've given me. She ate of the fruit, right? He kind of puts the blame on her. But as a husband, that's your responsibility, your family. 
Now, it, it can mean a lot of different things, but I think when husbands are leading in their own spiritual walk with God, that then transmits to the rest of the family, all right? It doesn't mean that men have to do everything. If you're a CEO of a company, it doesn't mean you're doing all the work. You're leading, right? And you're leading by often by an example. And so um, I think this can be a little bit interesting, especially um, for Amy and I, we are both firstborns. So if you know the birth orders, what does that mean? We both like to be the boss. Hmm. Yeah, we both kind of have that leadership. And I'm probably a little more subtle of a leader than she is, all right? All right, in, in some ways. They're I mean, that, yeah, I mean, um, just by based upon personality and stuff like that. So, um, all right, I'm going to let you take some of that. So, you know, in general, women and men have different strengths, right? Women tend to maybe be more aware of feelings. So they might see what their children are saying but not really saying. The women might catch that a little bit. The men typically are able to maybe compartmentalize things. So if things in the home are beginning to get way too emotional, the men might be like, let's go play a game of basketball. And maybe the woman is thinking, you're not dealing with this. But maybe the man is like, we all just need to step back. So there's different strengths. And so it, it's not a and or. It's not like either this person is a leader or this person is a leader. But I, I think it's really a both and. They're, the two are working together to make their home a good place. Um, and also, every person has different gifts. Each one of us has different gifts. So in your particular home, the balance of how you split your roles and responsibilities in a lot of ways is just going to have to do with who you each are as individual people. So if, if the man is a natural leader type A personality, he's probably going to tend to take a lot of the leadership. If the woman is more of the type A personality, she's probably gonna, going to tend to direct a lot of the sim, uh, system. So, like, it, it could cause some confusion if you're looking at what the biblical definition is of leadership in the home, unless you understand how the man's role is to make sure everything is working good, but that doesn't mean he has to necessarily do everything. So, um, you know, sometime, when, as we were talking about this, Brent brought up a really great point that there are men who can be really great leaders in a lot of areas of their life, but not so much in their home. So maybe they lead in a company or in the workplace, but when it comes to their home, they aren't stepping up in leadership. And so we were talking about this, like, why is that? Is it, is it because they feel uncomfortable? Is it because they never had good modeling of what leadership in a home would look like? Is it because... Um, especially with spiritual leadership, maybe that requires a little more emotion and they're not quite sure how to communicate that. But it does seem that spiritual leadership in a home is really crucial for a man, but oftentimes that's something that's really, really difficult for them to do. For us personally... Um, Can I just add something? There? Yeah, go ahead. Um, what I would say is, you know what, if you're a guy and your wife is just a little more, she just seems like Maybe it's just because of her upbringing or just she just has that spiritual walk with you that you, maybe you just looks different for you or, you know, maybe maybe she just is closer to God. It doesn't mean that you still can't be the spiritual leader of your home, but you can affirm what God is speaking through your wife and support her in that. So when it's time to go to church, you're not dragging your feet, but you're helping the kids get ready to go to church or or whatever the case may be to have family devotions that you're partnering with her. Maybe, she, maybe she's the stronger leader in that area, but partner with her and help her job become easier. Because I can guarantee you, especially with kids, kids are going to follow the lead of the husband more than the wife. And I hope that's not offensive to anybody. It's just, it's just the truth, folks. It's just the truth. And uh, so... In our home, um, I probably am the one who's more systematic. So I was more the disciplinarian. But he was he would discipline also. He was more supportive. But I was probably the one who did it more. And I'm also, when we think of finances, if you've done Dave Ramsey, okay, I'm the nerd. He's a free spirit, okay? Um, so, but, so we always make financial decisions together. That's just something we always do together. And he keeps the books. So then he's got a real good sense of where things are at and how far the free spirit can take him. Um, you know, as far as spiritual leadership, we're different. 
and we work together because that's something that's really important to both of us, but ultimately God's going to hold him accountable, and so he provides a lot of spiritual leadership in our home. Sometimes we disagree about things, and when that happens, I step back and I let the final decision be his because I want him to be the leader of my home. But because I'm a natural leader, sometimes that means something has to give. And I appreciate the fact that he's willing to be the leader. So I step back and I acquiesce and I let him, his decision hold. So I don't know if that applies to any of you, but there are times where I make a willful decision to let him make the decision. And that's what we go with. I think sometimes if the husband isn't leading spiritually, the wife must take over that for the sake of the children but it is unbalanced, and your home will feel unbalanced. But as women, if our husbands begin to be ready to step up, we got to be willing to let go of that control, too. So that would be the flip side. But. Yeah, and I think that even becomes the tension that um, sometimes the wife is the first one that responds to God, and she prays for her husband. And then when he starts moving into that role, that can be a, a, ten- a tension there. You know, um, and often that's sometimes what happens, but in the book that we're doing for our men's group, Tony Evans, his dad came to the Lord first. He accepts Christ, but his, his wife was very opposed to the Christian message. In fact, she did everything that she could to be just obstinate, kind of. I mean, she fought him tooth and nail on that. And instead of being hateful, instead of getting divorced, instead of doing harmful things... He just poured out unconditional love on her day after day and prayed for her. And eventually she came to him in tears and said, you know what, I want what you have. And she came to know Christ. And so they raised up a great son. All right? All right. Which one? Okay. All right. So question number two. How does one overcome negative thoughts or feelings about one's spouse? That's a pretty good question. I think... You know, maybe if you're on your honeymoon, you haven't had those thoughts. But if you've been married probably more than a year or two, you've probably had where you have a negative thought about your spouse. Um, So, okay, so I think often these feelings stem from unrealistic expectations. You ever had unrealistic expectations? And we come into marriage with those and we think our our spouse is going to meet all of our needs and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And all of a sudden we find out... (gasps) They aren't. They're not going to meet all my needs. They're not going to be able to do all this. In fact, sometimes they even are lazy or they do things like, you know. Um, my wife would never be lazy. But but we do have those, we can develop negative thoughts and um, of what's normal and things like that. So um, I'll let you take the rest and then I'll maybe add a little more. Okay. I think... When, when I'm thinking about negative thoughts, we have to be really careful about, okay, so wrong expectations. We need to be really careful of where we get our standard from because it's really easy to compare our spouse to the wrong things, uh, what we see on TV or media or maybe books that we're reading, and these things aren't realistic. Or maybe we even see somebody else's spouse and we think, well, I wish my spouse was like that person, right? You see something that they have and yours doesn't have it. And so, so it's really easy to begin to get that way. Um, and an example would be, so if I'm full, I, I don't do very good with nothing. Like I need to be thinking or listening or whatever. So if I'm folding laundry, a lot of times I'll turn on the television. And so I've been watching reruns of the really old show, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. I don't know if any of you know that show. It was from the 90s, and I'm on season six, which is the last season. So I have made it, like, all the way through. Okay, how many of you know that show? Any of you know that show? A lot of you. Good. So you understand what I'm talking about. Okay, Sully, he's the perfect husband, right? He always knows the right thing to say. He always knows when she needs a hug. He always knows when she needs to be challenged or just like he's the perfect husband, okay? And so I can look at this guy and I can think, oh, I wish my husband would challenge me the way Sully challenges Dr. Mike, right? And then I remember that the actor who's actually playing the part of Sully, he's actually a soap opera star. I mean, that's where he got his start, was in soap operas. And I'm thinking, (laughs) do I want a soap opera star for a husband? No, I do not, right? And I have to remember, that's not a real person up on that screen. 
I think sometimes we see images of things and we think they're real and we're comparing our spouses to somebody that is not real. It's really easy to go through that problem. So here's what I do. When I begin to have negative thoughts, I start reminding myself of the positives and I will literally talk out loud to myself. So if I walk home from work and I open the door and he, the kitchen's a mess and it's from breakfast dishes and lunch dishes and I wasn't home, I will actually say out loud to myself, Amy, he just made supper the last two nights in a row. So today is your turn. He had three meetings today. So he didn't have time to do the dishes. So you can do that. And I, I will literally talk myself through my feelings of frustration. Or if I feel like he isn't as sensitive to my feelings as I would like him to be, or he's maybe not meeting the emotional need I have at the moment, I will start saying to myself, Amy, your basement is gorgeous because he completely built it. Look how nice your green grass is because he is out there fertilizing it. And I will remind myself of all the good things that he is doing because nobody is perfect, right? Nobody is. But I have a pretty awesome husband. Sometimes I just temporarily forget. And I, I will just start reminding myself of those positive things that I appreciate about him and the reasons I married him in the first place. All right. Um, so how can we change negative feelings? I, I do think the comparison thing can sometimes really get in the way. But I also think that praying for our, our spouse. Um, in my journal, you'll look at the first person I pray for is for my wife. So, um, yeah. And I think that changes, it can change negative feelings. And there again, I think sometimes those expectations... Um, if we set them too high for our spouse, um, I think they can really lead to unwi- anger and other things. So, all right. Number three leads right into that. How do you deal with anger in marriage? You throw things across the room. Whether you're angry at your spouse or someone else, how do you take your a- anger out? Oh, how do you not take your anger out on your spouse? So sometimes it's between anger between the two of you, right? And sometimes it, we things happen at work and we bring that home anger home and who do we take it out on? <laughs> it, it can, a lot of times it's the people that are closest to us, just honest truth. Sometimes it can be our spouse, sometimes it can even be kids, all right? So anger is an emotion that God has given each of us. There should be things in life that make us angry, okay? Um. The key is, how do we handle our anger in a way that is constructive and not destructive? So Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger do not sin, and do not let the sun go down while you are still anger, angry. So um, anger can be many times rooted in painful experiences. Okay, man, they hurt me. Okay, uh, Sometimes it's events out of our control, and then especially... If we're in a place where events are happening, sometimes even a, a low self-esteem can, can factor into this. But life isn't the way it should be. Sometimes people are just angry, okay? And a lot of times it stems back to that they're angry at where they're at in life. They're angry at what's taking place that's out of, that seems to be out of their control, and there's anger there. And then that can sometimes come out against the people that we love, okay? So, but if we are angry, especially with our spouse... Um, maybe they do something, maybe they say something. Um, we may be too emotional to discuss it, right? Because if you're angry and you're going to talk about it, often what are you, what's going to happen? You're going to say things you can't take back, right? You can't take back words. And sometimes we can say some pretty mean things when we are mad and angry, whether it's to our spouse or other people, right? And you can't take it back. You can't take it back. You can ask for forgiveness, but it's not the same. So, if you're too emotional, the best thing to do is to cool off, okay? Step away and say, hey, I need a minute. I need to cool off because I'm angry, okay? And you can communicate that to your spouse, okay? And I think it's good to communicate instead of just storming out and slamming the door, right? I know none of you have ever done that, right? Okay. I maybe have done that once, or you have. <laughs> I never slam doors. <laughs> Really, I don't. I, don't I think I remember I really once. Don't. <laughs> okay, we've been married 32 years, so if he remembers once, that's pretty good. <laughs> All right, cool off. 
but communicate that in a way. Say, hey, I just need a few minutes to cool off, okay? So um, there's some steps, and I think this is in the handout uh, that you received. It's probably on the back page. page. It's on your back page there if you want to look at that. But, you know, just some, some quick things. If you realize that you're, you're angry, so what are some signs? Your, your fists are clenched, your face is red, you're breathing fast, you're crying, okay? You're screaming, you're throwing things. <laughs> That's a good sign, all right? Um, there's some examples there. That's when um, you probably need to communicate, hey, I just need a moment to cool off. So one example we have of this, we were dating. So I think this had to have been probably about 35 years ago. I don't know. And we, we were not engaged yet. We were dating. And we had gone out of town to visit his cousin with some friends. And so we were a group of us visiting his cousin's house. And just to set the stage for you, I was a senior in high school. So I was probably not even 18 at the time. So I was a pretty mature kid, but I was still a kid. Okay, I don't remember what was happening. I really don't remember what we were doing. But I somehow thought it would be a good idea to throw water in his face. <laughs> I, don't rem- I don't remember why I thought this would be a good thing. I, I don't know, but I did. I threw water in his face. Well, he didn't, he didn't think that was a good idea. And he got angry. And he, it was, I think it was around Thanksgiving time. It was so cold. He grabbed, in North Dakota, he grabbed his coat and stormed out the door. And didn't come back for at least an hour. And I remember thinking, okay, well, if that's how he deals with his anger, then I can probably marry this guy. Like, that's a, that's a good way to, to deal with anger. Um, and I don't remember. Eventually, he came back and told me why he was angry, and I, we, we worked it out. But what's interesting is that my mode of dealing with anger is also to turn around and walk away. <laughs> it really isn't to slam doors. It's like... Okay, I just can't deal with you right now, so I'll pull away. So just in all honesty, our problem dealing with anger is we walk away from each other. And if we're really angry, we can stay away from each other for a couple days because we're angry. So I wish I could tell you there's a magic bullet solution, and once you figure it out, you're never going to have to deal with anger in your marriage. But it's something that we still have to make sure that we handle our anger appropriately because our tendency would be to pull away. And I'm thankful that we are committed enough to each other to stay together. But everybody deals with anger differently. That's an example for us. And we're still trying to totally figure it out. And I will say that men can get over anger quicker than women. Guys can get over it in a few minutes. You don't get over it in a few minutes. Well, a day. (laughs) Women, it, it usually takes longer. And that's... I, I think that's partly the way that men and women are made differently. And uh, so um, I think to understand that. So, All right, request is time out. Relax, calm down, remember what's important, and then resume the conversation. So I'm going to talk more, more about the conflict resolution. So, um, But, you know, anger, anger is a destructive thing. And some of us maybe even grew up in cultures, families, um, um, I, I want to be a little bit careful what I say, but I, I just know that growing up, anger was an issue. And uh, my dad's even shared about that here in our church, just how God worked him through that. We even talked with him about that at one time. And, um, but it was, I mean, both my folks came from alcoholic backgrounds. Um, they didn't have the best role modeling. And they came to know Christ, and they did their best to raise their kids in the ways of the Lord. And um, so dealing with anger is important because if you don't, you're going to hurt the people that are closest to you, kids, spouse, etc. Okay? All right. That leads into number four, which is what are some biblical solutions for working through conflict in marriage? So on page... Three, it would be, I mean, it's actually 13 at the bottom there. Our, our conflict resolution, and I use this for premarital counseling and even uh, it's called prepare and enrich, so you can do it um, before or after. I mean, a lot of couples that I counsel that are married, and I just do like three, three to five sessions, and we utilize the assessment that comes through prepare and enrich. But 
that's what I also use for premarital. So it has a version for premarital, has a version for if you're married or whatever the case may be. All right. And most of the time, the people that I see when they're married, they haven't had premarital counseling. Okay. So that's just something that I require. And it just talks about steps to resolving conflict. And why don't you hit that? So this is interesting. Studies show that the amount of disagreements are not related to marital happiness as much as they are as much as how they are handled. Happy couples do not avoid disagreements. They resolve them while remaining respectful of each other. You know, I, I back when talking about um, expectations, you know if if you were raised in a home that had extreme dysfunction in it, or maybe you were only raised by one or the other parent, so you didn't have a modeling of a good marriage, it's natural that you say, okay, I want my home to be different from how I was raised. I want something better, something different. But you may not know exactly what it is that you're looking for. And so some people, I think, have this unrealistic idea that marriage is going to be perfect, and if, if there's any tension at all, well, then maybe we're not meant to be together and we're going to get divorced and we're, I'll go try to find somebody else. And, and I think that's such a sad thing because any relationship is going to require work. It's going to require effort, and especially the marriage relationship is going to require work, and it's going to require effort. So figuring out how to resolve that conflict in a healthy way is one of the main keys to being able to stay married for a long time. Just because you have mari- you have conflict doesn't mean you're not married to the person you ought to be married to. It just simply means we've got to figure out a way to work through this conflict and make our relationship stronger. Yeah. So th- there, th- this is in the handout there, but you want to set a time and place, define what you are actually fighting about. Sometimes that takes a little bit of exploring. <laughs> Sometimes you're thinking of... Oh, I thought we were fighting about this. No, we're fighting about this. So No, (laughs) define the problem, seriously. (laughs) Um, List the ways that each of you contribute to the problem, okay? List past attempts to resolve that issue that weren't successful. And then brainstorm. And the main thing when you brainstorm, you don't take ownership. You don't take ownership of the idea. You throw it out there, right? Because you don't want to get into, oh, we used my idea, not my, you know. Okay. Discuss um, the solutions, and agree on a solution. And then, you know, um, then set a time to review that. Give it a try, and then if it didn't work, then try one of the other options, okay? So come back and evaluate it and see if it's working. Um, And then reward each other for the progress, okay? Um, All right, cool. But I, I do... I'm gonna. I'll touch. I'm gonna say a little more. But working through the conflict, there are no perfect marriages. So when Amy and I got married, um, I don't know. We, we were kind of. I had just finished college. She was still had two more years. But people kind of saw this us as the perfect couple. Okay, and that was a label that they put there, not that we put there. You know, her dad was the professor. He was student body president. Yeah. He was Mr. Trinity. So. Yeah. 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 I was the on college the, name was Trinity Bible College. Yeah, so. I was on the catalog, so yeah. But, but we were real people. So, and and we probably where we disagreed most was that that some at times being that um, the oldest child we'd butt heads on things like that. So, but I would say our first two years were pretty, were pretty, were pretty smooth. And it was once we started having kids. You know, you have those kids, and they they just kind of mess stuff up t- a little bit. So they're a blessing, but. If you're watching, kids, we love you. Um, but they do because they, um, they do. So I'm going to talk about something else here. So we're going to go on to number five here. Okay, what are, what are, I think the question was, what is the key to making a marriage last? And I don't think there is one key, but there are some keys. Okay, so we're making it plural. So, all right, and so we're going to refer to some of the handout. So on your page one, it's actually page six of the workbook, but it's page one. It just talks about being assertive and active listening. To me, when I do marriage counseling, this is the big thing. And maybe assertive, being assertive is a negative thing to you, but if you can't express what you're feeling, you you stuff it. And when you stuff stuff, all of a sudden, it, it's like the jack-in-the-box, right? Right? That's what happens, right? And then you got a mess, right? And so... If you can be assertive in 
be able to express your feelings in a way that doesn't that's not harmful you're able to you so it talks about using um i statements instead of you do this and say hey this is the way i am feeling about this is there a way we could talk about this so it's it's talk it's from my perspective this is how i'm feeling it may not be right but this is how i'm feeling can we address this instead of saying you are the problem right because then the pr- person is going to be defensive so active listening is then saying oh okay this is what i hear you saying and they said no that's not what I was saying, this is what I was saying. Oh, okay. And that's important, right? Okay. It's important. All right. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> no, it just, I, I think women can be a little more um, ambiguous in when they're sharing stuff. And so you, men, you have to be the... No, we think they're supposed to just get it and it yeah. feels too much work to try to explain it all. So use your intuitive skills and be that hunter-gatherer and go and get the get information and ask the good questions, all right? So there is that. So there's some great things to work through there. And then, uh, so I think that is a good communication skills. Two reasons why people get divorced. The top two reasons are communication skills and finances, okay? And usually the f- communication about finances, the two number two reasons why people get divorced. So... Um, Develop those skills. So this is a good way to do that. Um, finances, I think, is a key thing. So I want to just say practice good finances because if you don't have good financial stewardship, like having a good emergency plan of a 1000 bucks to start off with and three to six months savings, things happen, folks. Things happen. And when you don't have those reserves, it puts a lot of stress on your marriage. Sometimes it's able to handle it. Sometimes it isn't. So the... Carmen is doing that class. If you haven't taken that as a married couple or as a single, do yourself a, a gift, a favor, and take that because it's it's going to help you put in some good principles that will say it can save your marriage. You know, get get on a budget and follow it. Okay, um, live within your means. Get out of debt, um, and then discuss. This is a key thing. I think you need to discuss the things that are important to you. So, um, for Amy. In her upbringing, what was really important was family vacations. And her family would take these family vacations and they'd travel to different parts of the United States, okay? We would take a, a, a vacation, but it entailed going up to Canada on Memorial Day weekend to go fishing, okay? And there was something we did every, every Memorial Day, all right? But we didn't travel all about, but, and so that was one of the things. And I, I, I'm more apt to say, hey, I'll put my money down on a new snowblower. And she, she's more apt to say, hey, well, let's, you know, spend a couple thousand to do a vacation, right? And so those are values. None of it is right or wrong. It's just values that we've grown up with or that, that are precious to us. You have to reconcile those and talk about, hey, what's going to be valuable to us as a family, Okay. All right, um, love your spouse. That is another key. Love your spouse. Okay, love your spouse. Okay, and even their quirks. All right, we were talking about this. We were kind of laughing the other day, and and uh, love their quirks. How many are quirky? <laughs> you know, we all have our quirks, and uh, I I looked at the definition of quirk. It, it's it's a peculiar hour. Say that word. Peculiarity. There you go. Of action, behavior, personality, or mannerism. I'm not going to get it out today. Often the things that attract us to our spouse can eventually drive us nuts, right? And so you have to love your spouse, even their quirks, and let them endear them to you. So Les Les and Leslie Parrott have a book, The Good Fight, and they just talk about loving those quirky things about your, your spouse. So we were talking. She goes, so what are some of mine? Can I share it? That's not how it went. He said, can I tell you some of your quirks? <laughs> and I said, sure, tell me my quirks. I think you said you wanted to know. You know, so we'll be watching. She'll be watching Dr. Quinn, and I'll j- jump on the bed and watch it with her. And she'll be having her late-night snack. I mean, it's, you know, 8, 9 o'clock before we go to bed. And so she likes frozen frozen uh, berries or whatever. So she just doesn't eat them. She puts them in her mouth and goes... <laughs> <laughs> She's trying to get the most out of them, all right? Well, I the told flavor. him the idea is I'm having this sugar craving, so instead of eating sugar, I'm eating frozen berries because frozen takes longer to eat, 
And so I'm trying to suck on them so that hopefully by the time I get done, the sugar craving's gone. There's a method to the madness. There really is. But so she goes, you know, do I really do that? And I said, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, I'm one of those people that food noises bother me. Uh, am I the only quirky one like that? When you hear other, okay, see, yeah, see, yeah. Um, so I'm quirky that way. So she loves me even in the midst of that. So love your spouse, even their quirks. Let, it, let them endear them to you, all right? And I'm serious that you have to love your spouse's assets, their strengths, but also love sometimes the things that... It's just who they are, all right? This one's maybe a little more serious. So remember, we're talking about the keys to making your marriage last the long haul. And I think a huge one is boundaries. So I, this was talked about a couple of years ago, so I actually went online to see where it started. But I don't know if you remember when, oh, a couple of years ago, everybody was making fun of Mike Pence because he had said he wouldn't eat alone. And, and so I went back and looked it up. It actually was from 2002. He had made a statement, and he said that he does not eat alone with a woman or attend an event where alcohol is being served unless his wife is present. So everybody kind of went like he is... So this was re-brought up a couple of years ago, that he's crazy. He, there's even people that say he's, um, it's illegal to say that because then it's discrimination in the workplace if you're not willing to eat alone with a woman or, you know, whatever, all this stuff. But I'm telling you, if your marriage is going to last the long haul, you got to have boundaries. You've got to... And there, there's some books that we've got that are on boundaries, so if you're curious about some of them, we can give you some resources. But I think what he said is right on. That's great. A few years ago, I had a conference I had to attend for work in Kearney. And it was just me and one other man going. And this man was young. Like, he was the age of my kids, just a little bit older than my kids. So as far as I'm concerned, this was not a big deal in my book. But the two of us went alone to Kearney. And we were going to be eating lunch together. And I just called Brent and said, just letting you know, we're going to be eating at such and such a spot. And I was chatting with him over the lunch hour. And it wasn't because I was in any way feeling temptation but it was because it's a boundary that I've got set up. Because if I get those right habits and those right boundaries in my life, then if a temptation ever does arise, I've already got that habit and that protection around me. So I think boundaries are huge. I think boundaries are huge. And another thing would be um, when, you make, when you're making your decisions, not just to think about yourself, but to think about how it's going to affect your spouse, whether it's a job decision or what ex- kind of extracurriculars or fun activities you're involved in making sure that we're thinking about our families as we make those decisions. All right. And I think boundaries even goes to not only where we go out there, but also where we go on here. You don't have to go to Pornhub and and get bad stuff. Facebook, TikTok, you know, and especially if you're a guy, you know, her stuff, different stuff comes up on her phone than comes up on my phone. And you can go to places, and I, I just think all that imagery and all that is not healthy for our marriage. Our focus as, as a man, as a husband, my focus needs to be on my wife. And if I'm taking all this other stuff in from out there, the people that I'll never meet, then it steals my affection for her. My focus needs to be on her. And the same would be for her with me. All right? So I, we live in a day and age, and I even think of raising up kids, you know, um, back when I was young, you know, if you wanted to see inappropriate material, you had to go to the variety store on our main street, right? That's not the case anymore. It's on Facebook. It's on TikTok. It's on, it's on those things. Um, so, all right? Guard your heart. Um, and we're, we're just about done here, but I think one of the keys to s- making it the long haul, to staying together, is to be committed to staying together when the times are tough. Um, it, it's easy when things are good. It's not so easy when things are bad. And sometimes our feelings can really play tricks on the, helping us figure out what's really important. So one example is, I think it was about nine years ago, um, my life was really, I don't know the best way to describe it except to say it was absolutely awful. Um, my dad was dying and they li- lived six hours away. So I was trying to be involved in that whole process from afar, and that was really stressful and really difficult. 
Uh, work was a lot of stress, a lot of stress at work. One of our kids was going through a really difficult time that was putting on a lot of stress. And so I felt like from every angle, I was under incredible, incredible stress. And Brent, bless his heart, was is in the process of my dad dying. He was so supportive, and he was always right there, and he never did anything that I could have said was wrong. But I was upset with my life at that moment. And there, I, I know that if I had not been committed to my family and to my relationship with my husband and to my relationship with God, the temptation to leave was really strong at that time. And it wasn't because he did anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. In fact, he did everything right. I just was in a really tough spot with the rest of my life. And it made me just want to ditch everything and go try again and find something that was going to make me feel good. Now, I didn't do that. Thankfully, I didn't do that. And I knew better than that. And I'm thankful that my relationship with God was strong enough to get me over that tough time. But we're all going to have those tough times. And we've got to have that strength to be able to push through them. I am so glad I didn't go based on feelings. Because those feelings would have been disastrous. And it was all based on things that were out of my control. None of that stress was within my control. Even the work stress had really nothing to do with me. I just happened to be in a difficult environment at the time. But yet it was affecting me. And I'm just thankful. I'm thankful God gave me the strength to make it through it. Yeah, and I don't know if when she expressed that, I didn't know if realize that the, I knew it was a difficult time with her dad passing away and stuff like that. And, um, but, yeah, it's being sensitive and staying in there. I remember just from my... Probably one of the more difficult times in marriage for us is when the kids were young. So all three kids were born, and we just moved to Devil's Lake, North Dakota. I moved into a new position at our campgrounds. And um, so she was homeschooling, and Daniel was one or two? Two or three, yeah. Yeah, and I, I just kind of felt like I lost my wife because all her time and energy was being spent on the kids, and there wasn't time for Brent, you know. And you look back, that, well, that's kind of selfish, Brent, you know. No, no, no. But... When you're navigating through that, it's just, it's just feelings, right? And, um, and so there are times. You can have seasons. You can have seasons. I would say in each season of our marriage, there's just been times that it looks different. And uh, we're going to have the musicians come. And um, what I would say is that there is, when we talk about love, love, Love looks different now than it did on the day we were married. Then you say, man, I love, cherish, honor, and I do wedding ceremonies, but we don't know what we're talking about or what we're saying yes to. Because life changes. Sometimes there is health issues. Sometimes there is financial issues. Sometimes we change and our spouses change and, and uh, life happens to them. And it is loving each other through those times and staying with it. You know, in a secular world, we may say marriage is just, you sign a marriage license or whatever. But before God, it's a covenant relationship. And God's covenant relationship with us means that He has never left us. He's never forsaken us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He's with us. And um, I just want to put that out there that... Um, Maybe your marriage is going through a difficult season or time. Um, don't give up. Don't give up. You know, and I know that we have people here, you've been divorced, or maybe in the process of that. I, I don't know. Um, there are times that divorce is the only answer. Um, but if you can pursue reconciliation, wow. I think there's something that be, can be gained through that. Because um, I think you're going to gain even a better picture of what God did for us. And uh, I think there's a reason why God gave marriage as a picture of His relationship with us, that covenant relationship, that uh, He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? Amen. You know that course talks about, you know, your, your love is running after me and pursuing me. Um, in the Old Testament, that Hebrew word for steadfast love, God's unfailing love, 
God's covenant love, is that word kesed. It's a Hebrew word, and it's a beautiful word because it, it means that God's never going to let go of us. He's pursuing us, even in our, when we transgress, we sin, we make mistakes, it never lets go. And see, that's the type of love that God even wants us to have in our marriages, to never let go, to never let go. I know, um, I know we live in a real world and sometimes things just don't work out. But if I can encourage you to, you know, maybe you're in the, one of these moments where there's negative feelings there. It's just, it's not going the way you would like it to. To, uh, to make your spouse your number one prayer priority, pray for them and just show them the love of God the best way you can. Sometimes... You can't change your spouse. Yeah. You can only change yourself. You can only change yourself. So go to God. Do what you can do to change yourself. And leave the rest to God. Because, but God, God can change things. Amen? Father, we just thank you for this moment just to to worship together and to pray together and to study your word together. God, there's one of the most beautiful pictures, metaphors in Scripture is marriage, Lord. and It's something that you believe in. What you have joined together, you desire not to be separated, Lord. And so, Lord God, we just ask your blessing upon our married couples today and those that are maybe marriages on the horizon or our young people here, Lord. Just give them wisdom and the choices that they make. And Lord, I just ask a blessing upon our married couples today that show your favor and your grace there, Lord. And if there's things that they're working through, we just pray for strength and wisdom and the tenacity just to hang on. And Lord God, I pray for those that uh, the love of their life isn't there, maybe through death or uh, through difficulties, Lord God, or divorce. Lord God, that leaves a hole in our heart. And we just pray that you're near to those people today. You haven't left them. You haven't forsaken them as well. So God, go with your people today. We give you praise. We give you glory. And we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Hey, God bless you this morning. Greet each other as you leave. I'll hang up here for a second if you want prayer. But God bless you this morning.